The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the Jews, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. So as we begin the beautiful solemnity uh, of Corpus Christi, uh, where we celebrate God's greatest gift uh, to earth. There is no greater gift than the Lord could give. Uh, first, that the Father could give in terms of the fact that he gives his beloved Son for us, not as a passing gift, but as a permanent presence in our midst. The God who delights to live among us, the God who tabernacles among us. But also it is the gift of Christ himself, as he gives himself, the incarnate word, made incarnate under the work and the power of the Holy Spirit, he then also, under the power of the Holy Spirit, is made present to us upon the altar. And so this great gift is what we celebrate. But the reason that we celebrate it is also that we might grow in appreciation of the gift. God's works in our history, God's works in our life, if we forget them, sometimes we lose appreciation for them. The good things that he has done for us, it is for us to constantly recall them to mind so that we might appreciate all of the things that God has done on our behalf. This is how the first reading begins today. You shall remember all the ways which the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. That is a call to us as well as we walk through the wilderness of this life we shall recall the ways in which God has led us through this wilderness. How does he lead us through this wilderness? It says first, not only has he led them, but also he has fed them in the wilderness. He gave them manna from heaven, and he gave them water from the rock, both prefiguring what will happen through Christ and his sacrifice and the gift of the Eucharist. 
There are two times in particular in the Old Testament, especially here in, Exodus, in Deuteronomy and Exodus, where we see the Lord responding very severely to certain actions on the part of his people. One is when they reject the manna that he has given. When they reject the manna that he has given and call it worthless, because of what it prefigures, the Lord responds very strongly. He sends serpents into the midst of his people to show that when Christ comes and he gives the Eucharist, the rejection of the Eucharist is the rejection of the way in which God nourishes us and protects us and feeds us and leads us and guides us. In the rejection of the food that comes from heaven, we are left exposed to the evil which comes from earth, represented by the serpents by which his people were then surrounded. Rejecting the bread from heaven is rejecting that by which we are led and sustained and drawn to heaven. And so the Lord in his response to their rejection of the manna is a warning for us as well with regards to our relationship to the Eucharist. The Eucharist is that which is the center point of our existence. When we remember the works of God, our life takes on meaning. We are taken and put placed in a story that is beyond our own simple life if it were judged purely from an exterior, uh, in an exterior way. When we remember the works of God, we are taken into the drama of salvation history, and our life takes on a purpose, a meaning, which is something which every human heart is searching for. What is the meaning of my life? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? And at the center of every life and the meaning of every life is the Eucharist. This is the one who has worked all these things for us, the one who has gone to such great extents for our salvation that we are called to contemplate the works of God, that we might appreciate the cost that has been paid for us, that our life takes on a new value, and the value of our life is measured by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That is the cost that heaven is willing to pay for us, the blood of the Savior. Our whole life and value changes when we contemplate it in that mystery. But also the Lord gives them to drink in the wilderness. It is a water that comes from the rock. And so this we see the second time that the Lord acts or responds very severely is when Moses is instructed to speak to the rock, and yet he strikes it twice. And the Lord says, because you have not shown my holiness, you act, will not pass into the land that I have promised to the people. You will be able to see it from the mountaintop, but you will not enter into it. And we might think that that seems rather unfair to Moses, who has led God's people through the wilderness, but the sanctity of what the Lord was, want, is intending to portray to his people is that he is speaking to them even then of the coming gift that will come from his son through the Eucharist and through his passion and death. At the beginning of their journey, Moses was instructed to strike the rock, and so he does. He strikes the rock and water comes forth from it. Then later in their journey, he is instructed only to speak to the rock, and yet he strikes the rock twice. And so in this disobedience, because of what it prefigures, which is the mystery of the mass of Christ, which is the mystery of his passion and death, 
and how we have access to that passion and death. So Brant Petrie, in his commentary on that scene, he says that the reason the Lord is so severe is because it prefigures the gift of the Mass. So that the Lord, the rock, is struck only once, that it is his passion and death. And in order for us to participate in that passion and death, we have only to speak the words. And the words that are spoken are spoken by the priest, but in the person of Christ. This is my body. This is my blood. And through those words, in a certain sense, speaking to the rock, the water of life gushes forth for the satiation of the thirst of God's people. And so we see all of these beautiful prefigurements of the Eucharist in the first reading, but also we see the warning to us to constantly recall the mysteries of God's works, the wonders of his works. We move to the second reading, and there St. Paul speaks to the Corinthians, there where they have had certain liturgical abuses in that place. So not only is he rebuking, but he is also encouraging. The cup of blessings which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? That by the reception of Holy Communion, we participate in the flesh of Christ, the saving flesh of our Savior. This warning or this instruction that Paul is given is in a wider context of a warning against idolatry, that our worship must be directed to God himself, and that our hearts must and our minds must be free of any other type of idol that can creep into our mind and into our heart. We can love things to an extent that they should not be loved. That's idolatry. We can create things in our mind that we begin to worship. That's idolatry. Idolatry can creep in at all stages and in all moments and in all activities of our life. And yet we need to remain vigilant that the one to whom our love and adoration is due, that we are giving him that love and adoration. And so at the center of our life again stands the mystery of the Eucharist, God present in our midst, the one who is deserving of adoration and the one who frees us from idolatry. And then we move into the gospel for today. And the Lord speaks about the power of his flesh, that in the incarnation, his human nature takes on all of the power of the divine nature takes on all of the power of his divinity. His flesh, as the word here in the Greek, it means simply more than what is material. It means what is living, living flesh, flesh animated by a soul, flesh saturated with blood. It is simply his human nature, his humanity. It is his whole self given to us. And in this flesh, we find life. In this flesh, we find grace. In this flesh, we find salvation. There's an old saying in the early church, the flesh is the hinge of salvation. Why did the early church say that? Because it is because of his incarnation that we are saved. In the taking up of a human nature, God is now able to do what he is not able to do in his divinity. What is that? Suffer. In his divine nature, God cannot suffer. And so he takes up a human nature specifically for love of us and for the purpose of taking upon himself the sufferings and the guilt that were due on our behalf.
And in that human nature, he suffers, he dies, he bleeds, all of these things for our sake and for love of us. And in this human nature, this flesh, is contained his divinity, the hope of our eternal salvation. And in his, in, in his incarnation and in this flesh, we have contact with the divine in a way that is not replicated in our life other than in the Eucharist. In the Eucharist, we have contact with this saving flesh. We look at the Lord in the miracles of his life. At times, he has only to reach out and touch someone, and they are healed, because his flesh takes on all of the power of his divinity. We cannot forget these works, because when we recall these wonders of God, especially the mysteries of the life of Christ, that is what disposes us for Holy Communion properly. Sometimes we can become indifferent to the gift because of the simplicity of his appearance. He humbles himself, and we can forget who we are receiving because of that humility. But when we come to the moment of Holy Communion, we are receiving the same Christ who has only to touch and heal, who has only to speak and create, who has only to say and things are accomplished. When we receive the Blessed Sacrament, when we receive the Eucharist, we receive the whole Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. In the moments after Holy Communion, God is within us. God is not something that we have to seek elsewhere or in far-off places. In the moments of Holy Communion, the creator of the universe rests next to a created heart. That is such a profound and deep mystery. And it is for us to recall this gift, this gift that comes from the love of God, where the love of God is manifest in such a particular way in the sacrament of his love, the sacrament we celebrate today. Amen.